0: good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at CenterPoint Fellowship. And I'm so glad that you are with us here today. We're continuing on our series entitled Thrive. I want to welcome all the people at Pike Road and Wetumpka, at Westside and online. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, today we want to talk about thriving. In fact, uh, my wife had a comment. Debbie, why don't you come up here? She had a comment. Last week, I was trying to illustrate the point of thriving, and so I brought up a potted plant from our patio, a patio from our patio. Anyway, my uh from a patio that was very dead, and I reminded them that our kids call our patio death row. And I,
1: I wasn't even here to take up for myself.
0: That's why I did it. Okay, anyway, uh, but anyway, the whole thing is you, you, you wanted to say something about that.
1: Yes, I'm here to prove to every one of you that I can grow something. Now, I, I do have a talent for killing things, but <laughs> right now, even as we speak, in my front yard, in fact, I, I have a picture of something in my front yard. I want you all to see. That is Lantana and it is overtaking my yard.
2: It's overtaking our house. Okay. And, and yeah. who is
1: responsible for um, watering that lovely plant? Me or you?
0: God, it rained last night. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. No. Anyway, do we want to do this because but the whole point of it is that
1: this... Some may say that plant is even thriving at my house.
0: Perfect tie-in for today. Thank you so much. Isn't she marvelous? <laughs> She'll be here all week. Okay, there we go. Yeah, it's here. Okay, hey. No, but I wanted Debbie to come here to remind us of this. I would like for us to pray for this. That plant in my front yard, it isn't just surviving, it's thriving. To thrive means to flourish. To thrive means to grow vigorously. Well, what if I wanted a life like that? That I'm not just limping along, yeah, I, I asked Jesus into my heart, and now i got to go to church, and oh, I hope, I hope Jesus comes back soon. You want to be a Christian? Yeah, no thanks. And yet that's the way we do things. We limp along and we don't make the most of life. And Jesus said he came to give us life abundantly. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline where I'm headed today. And point one on the outline is this, that Jesus wants us to thrive like that plant in my front yard. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's John 10.10 in the NIV. Here's what it says in John, here's John 10, 10 in the message, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. More and better life, full life. That's what God wants us to have. That's what it means to thrive. And today I want to talk to you about why it's so important to trust Jesus in this, because he knows, that's what he came to give us, and he knows how to get it done. And it'll surprise you, it doesn't come from getting We get rich in full life from giving. I'll unpack that for us in just a second. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I just pray that you will cause us to thrive. When I see a picture of that plant, I mean, it is amazing. That plant is just thriving in my front yard. Lord, I want my life to look like that, to be in full bloom. I want to grow vigorously this year. I don't want my best spiritual year to be 20 years ago. I want it to be this year. I want to know you better this month, and I want to experience joy and peace and life abundant. If those are desires of your heart, then right now, would you just pray wherever you are, online or in this room, and say, God, I want a rich, full, abundant life. Please show me how to thrive. Lord, we're trusting you for direction in this, so please speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks in your outline, please raise your hand one of the ushers will bring one to you. Uh, Jesus doesn't define thriving the same way as our culture does. That's the note in your outline. He does not. Our culture says, that, hey, if you want to thrive, get lots of stuff. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. And it doesn't matter that all of us could cite dozens of examples of situations where people had all the fame and all the money in the world and they're in rehab. Or they're in fits of desperation, or they're burning through marriages like water, and they're totally unhappy, even though they have all this stuff and all this money. So then what's going on? Uh, Let's listen to Jesus on this. Luke 12. Beware, guard yourself against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This is Jesus. And by the way, Jesus talked a lot about money. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to talk about this at all. He went right at it. Then he, said, then he told them a story. There was once a rich man who had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you'll die this very night, and then he'll get everything that you worked for. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This is Jesus talking about this. And again, please don't hear this that we shouldn't plan for our retirement. That's what Jesus is saying. No. No, that's not what he's saying at all. What he is saying is, he's not saying that we don't need to plan ahead or save have an emergency fund for expenses that are coming and all those things that's just understanding good planning and being a responsible steward. What he is saying though is if the goal is just to stack up wealth so I can spend it all on myself and not be worried about God's agenda, well then we're way off track. And that's what was going on here. And so here's the challenge today. What would God's agenda look like if we were going to use money God's way, what sort of attitude should we have? And I've given you six things that we're going to be looking at for the rest of this time together, and they're under point two, where Jesus, we're going what Jesus said here, that we thrive through giving. Our culture would say, hey, we thrive through getting. But here's what Jesus said, Acts twenty thirty five: you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Can we say that quote from Jesus together, please? It is more blessed to give than to receive. One more time. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, think about this. When we're kids, we don't believe that. But what's so funny is when you start having kids and you get to see their faces light up at a birthday or at Christmas or at special times when you've planned a special gift for them, you go, man, what made your day? The gift you got, no, in my case, I got lots of neckties already, okay? Well, what makes your day? What makes my day is when they get it. And when I talk to people who are a little bit ahead of me, when you have grandkids, that's the greatest thing ever is to give gift to your grand. Do I have any grandparents that can verify this here? Okay, you'll have to talk to them. But the older we get, the more we understand that it is more blessed to give than to receive, and as parents, we love to give our kids. We'd much rather have them have stuff than we have it ourselves. Because we understand that that just enhances our love. And we really don't need the things. It's the relationships that matter. It's the relationships that matter. So as we go through these things, keep that in mind that we thrive through giving. Our relationship with God thrives. Our relationships with others thrive. When we become generous, not when we become selfish. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 is what I'm going to quote in a second, but this is point A. So we thrive when we give to God first. The greatest commandment, according to Jesus, is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if I'm going to thrive in giving when I give to God first, that's getting everything off on the right foot. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Solomon is saying there that we give God our first fruits, if you'd circle that. First fruits, not leftovers. I mean, it shows again our priorities. I can't imagine telling my wife I had a really special dinner for her and I put out some candles and china and what are we having? Well, let's go to the fridge and see what's left. Little casserole, some, yeah, that's the expiration of the milk has gone bad. Okay, we can't use that. We do this, and we cobble together something that doesn't even fit together. And I go, and she goes, This is the special dinner you had planned for me? And I go, Well, you kill all the plants on the patio. No, I wouldn't say that. That would be terrible. Do not do that. But you can imagine if somebody, if you give them leftovers, they would go, I'm not important to you at all. And how many times do we treat God that way? Well, God, if there's any money left at the end of the month, you're welcome to it. God, if there's any time left at the end of the week, you're welcome to it. Now you know why God is responding the way he is in Malachi 3. Last book of the Old Testament, the people in the days of Malachi were just giving God the scraps at the end. This is God speaking to them through the prophet Malachi. Should people cheat God? You've cheated me. But you ask... What do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God had told the children of Israel from the day that he had rescued them in slavery, if they would just trust him, He would be their protector. He'd be their provider. If they would keep him first, he would take care of everything else they need. And do you know that Jesus said the same thing to us? But all too often, God gets our scraps. He gets scraps of our time, scraps of our money, scraps of our energy, scraps of our prayers. We pray when we're running late. We pray when we're scared we won't pass a test. We pray when the power goes off. But one of the prayers that are just saying, God, what do you want me to do today? When the sun is shining. When even though I have a full schedule, I'm going to say, hey, before I begin that full schedule, I'm going to spend some time with God today. I'm going to put him first. Well, that's what tithing is about. It's taking a tenth of our income and putting it first. Because God has given me everything that I enjoy. I'm going to put him first. That brings us to point B on your outline, if you throw it over. We thrive when we give cheerfully. I mean, this is a perspective thing. You can write the word perspective somewhere on the sheet there. This is a perspective issue. If I believe that God created me, that Jesus died on the cross for me, that he gave everything that he could possibly give to me, then why wouldn't I give cheerfully just a portion of what I have? Everything I have comes from him anyway. So why wouldn't I give it back cheerfully going, well, you've given me so much, I'm just returning part of it back to you. 2 Corinthians 9, this is Paul speaking about this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. He loves it when we give cheerfully to the church. He loves it when we give cheerfully to others. We give cheerfully. God's been generous to me. I'm just paying it forward. This is when we discover what it means to have joy. An amazing illustration of this is in Exodus 35. i mentioned that God had promised things to the children of Israel when they came out of slavery. Well, when they came out of slavery, after hundreds of years of being slaves, God rescued them through a series of plagues that he sent upon the Egyptians. And after the 10th plague, the Egyptians were so afraid of God and they were so... Sure that God was leading His people to to the promised land. That they said, "Hey, we don't want you to be our slaves anymore. Go!" In fact, as you go here, take gifts so your God won't be angry with us anymore. And it says they stripped off their earrings and they took off their fine clothes. They offered their jewels. They offered, um, you know, silverware sets, whatever they had. And so it said the Israelites, when they left slavery, they actually plundered their masters. It was like they'd robbed them blind. I mean, you can get the picture. They're holding out a robe, and people are throwing jewelry and bracelets and stuff. Just take it. Go. Get out of here. So when they went into the promised land, when they were journeying through the wilderness, they had all of this gold and all these fine clothes. And so there came a time when they got to Mount Sinai where they were getting the 10 commandments. God spoke to them and said, I want you to build a portable temple, a tabernacle. And a lot of the furnishings in there are going to require gold and precious gems, but there are other things that are going to be required. And that's going to require lots of fine linen Other things. And so the people had all this because they'd received it from the Egyptians. Listen to what happened in Exodus 35. All those whose hearts were stirred, Moses said, We have a need. God commanded us to build this tabernacle and to get all this done. I'm gonna need you to contribute linen and fine clothing and gold and silver and all kinds of things. All whose hearts were stirred, and all whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came. Listen to this. All whose hearts were willing. Please underline that. All whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, and brooches, and earrings, and rings from their fingers, and necklaces. The stuff I just mentioned. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. In fact, if you keep reading, Moses Had to tell them, stop, we got too much. But their hearts were moved, and they gave willingly. These were people who'd never had this stuff before. But they knew God had rescued them, and they trusted, well, if he can rescue us, well, then what are we worried about? Everything we had came from his blessing anyway. And this is what Paul's talking about with us. Don't give reluctantly or under pressure. Give joyfully. When you see a need, meet it. When you give to the Lord, give joyfully. As an example of this, uh, somebody in this crowd, somebody a part of our church, um, did exactly this. Their hearts were moved. I received an email a week ago from some people who had been with us a couple of weeks ago when Hurricane Irma was passing through. It's from a gentleman named Steve Sewell in St. Petersburg, Florida. Here's what Steve wrote. Pastor John, it's with heartfelt emotion that I write this note on behalf of my mother, Joan, and myself. When we arrived at the Marriott in Prattville, getting the only room available within a 75-mile radius, we were delighted to find out that it also had a church service on Sunday by the name of Centerpoint. We belonged to a church named Bridgepoint in St. Petersburg, and the resemblance was uncanny. We had no idea the members would be so gracious and kind to us, asking how they could help. He mentions that I had prayed with him and his mom that morning, and I knew we were in the right place. Your members are such an amazing group of people that, we'll consider, that we will consider them to be friends for life and no doubt consider Prattville and Center Point our second home. Don't be surprised if you see us again. But then he goes on, listen to this part. But what happened at checkout on Monday is what really blew us away. The front desk attendant presented me with an envelope with a letter in it saying, Two nights of your stay have been paid for by a Center Point church member. Have a blessed day. Saying mom and I had tears in our eyes would be an understatement. We couldn't believe the selfless generosity of your church member. Knowing this letter was unsigned and not expecting any thanks made us realize how special this person and center point are, and you will always be in our hearts. Thanks again for all you and your community have done from my mom and myself during, our, during this trying time. God bless. Now when you hear that story, you hear of somebody whose heart was moved. A couple of weeks ago, we had a service, and we talked about the needs of people when they're going through storms. Somebody walked out and said, I'm going to help a family that's in need. When you hear that, when they, we don't even know who it is. And if you're here today, thank you. Or if you're watching online, thank you. For those of you watching online, we meet in a conference center. that's attached to a hotel. Somebody walked right out of our meeting, down the hall, to the hotel to get this done. When you hear about that, it moves your heart. You go, Yes! Man, I hope I can be like that when that opportunity comes. Remember what we're talking about today? Thriving. Thriving is when we see a need and we do something about it. Thriving is when we use the resources that God has given us and say, God has given me so much and he's blessed me with so many things. I can be hands of blessing to someone else. I'm going to do it. And whenever we hear of somebody doing something with no self-interest in mind, And generosity is overflowing. We go, their heart was in the right place. I want my heart to be in the right place. If you agree with that statement, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, that's why we applaud this. I mean, think if we lived our lives this way. Well, then we wouldn't just be existing until Jesus comes back. We'd be thriving. Proverbs 11 says the same thing. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I mean, this is why when we say give cheerfully, and Jesus says, hey, don't think that rich, full life consists of how much stuff you have. The parable of the guy with the barns, the fool who built the barns was going to die that night. He goes, a rich relationship with God is what counts. And the best way to be like God is to be generous because God is generous oh, if we could embrace this, if we could just embrace this. But it means going against everything that's around us where we're always fearful and afraid we won't have enough. And that brings us to the next point. We thrive when we give trusting God. I mean, Paul knows this, so he kept writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look, right after he's told people to give cheerfully, he says, God will generously provide all you need. And then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way, so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. Paul says, look, you got to think of it like a farmer who has seed. He takes some of the seed, and he saves it for a crop for next year when he sows his crop. And then he gets a bountiful harvest, and they don't have enough to eat for the year after that. Now, it implies good management. The farmer can't just go eat it all. He won't have anything to plant. But he has to take what he has, and he has to invest part of it in the next year's crop. And then it will overflow again. And he said it's the same way when you trust God, when you and I are generous God will provide what you need so your heart will overflow. I want you to hear uh, from Daniel Greer. He's one of our elders here. And, Daniel, if you wouldn't mind just joining me up here, thanks so much for being here today. Now, Daniel, when we talk about giving, I mean, you grew up in church, right?
2: I sure did, yes, sir.
0: And so this isn't the first message on giving you've ever heard. I've heard plenty. Okay. (laughs) So uh, how am I doing? Great so far. Okay, okay, we'll keep it going. All right, so, but when you were a kid growing up, your parents taught you about tithing, from day one right
2: that's correct when I was a young child uh, my sister and I both got a weekly allowance for doing odd jobs around the house and uh, we got paid one dollar every Sunday but we got paid in dimes so we got 10 dimes and uh, the way they described us is all 10 dimes actually belong to Christ but he only requires one of them back basically you're just giving back part of what's already his
0: and so did you do it
2: yes I had to my parents made me
0: (laughs) all right <laughs> you got to answer that part, okay? All right. Uh, uh, so, how that translate when you and Heather got married? Though, I mean, so you practiced this. Now you're out on your own. Did you still keep doing it even after you got married? I did, yes, sir. And so, how'd that go? Did you was it tearfully or tearfully?
2: Um, sometimes she might have given me a little raised eyebrow when we first started tithing our money, and because uh, early earlier in my career I worked a lot and made very little. And so at the end of the month, sometimes there wasn't a whole lot left over. But I can honestly say that we never looked back and said, you know what? I wish we had taken that money back out of the offering plate. We're always glad we gave it.
0: Yeah, there are other things probably that you would say, I wish we wouldn't have done, right?
2: Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> okay.
0: Now, but when we talk about giving, it's not just giving in the church. It's also giving where you see a need, right? Have you guys ever done that where you just saw a need and you felt? I was mentioning here that the people, when Moses said, hey, we have a need for the tabernacle, they, they were glad to give gold and jewelry and clothing, whatever was needed, well, have you ever seen a need, and you, you guys were challenged just to meet it? Has that ever happened to you?
2: We have, and we usually, when we hear God call, we try to answer that call. We've had quite a few times with our business, we've had employees who've had a need, and we try to meet those needs. Would you
0: mind sharing one of those with us?
2: Sure. I had a young lady named Meshika that worked for me, and one day I saw her at the public grocery store, and I said, "Mishika, why are you buying all these uh, microwave dinners? And she said, well, I don't have an oven in my house. And so I went home, and I told Heather, my wife, and um, we called a local place and went by and purchased an oven. And had it uh, set up to be delivered, installed, and anything they needed to be taken care of. And we just did it without her knowing. And she came to work the next day just really excited about this oven she'd got. And it was great to give it without having to get the uh, recognition of giving it.
0: I mean, but see, when, when you give, the last point I had on here was that I've made so far, and point C was that if we give, then God will take it. We don't have to be afraid to be generous because if we trust God, if he's the one who's given us everything... If, if he puts on our hearts to meet a need like that, then he's going to make up for it, or he'll give us plenty so that we don't have to be afraid to be generous. Have you experienced that?
2: I have. That's correct. Um, <clears throat> actually, in my own business, um, we've been blessed with great sales, profits, and great people. And I feel like if we weren't uh, faithful with the money that's coming in, God would not give us those opportunities.
0: So what would you say to somebody who's never given anything to the Lord or just has really kind of squeaked by in life and has never really experienced giving or generosity? What would you say?
2: If if you're not giving, I would encourage you to give. If you do give, uh, give more. if you're a giver, go ahead and come with a tither. Go ahead and step out on faith, and God will, I promise you, will bless it.
0: Good. So God is faithful. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. Can we give him a round of applause? Thank you so much for coming up here. Look, if I'm going to give cheerfully, I can't give fearfully or tearfully. That's why we make giving a part of the worship service here. We pass baskets as part of the worship service. People ask me, why do you make giving part of the worship? Well, it is worship. God, you gave me everything I have. I'm giving a portion of it back to you. It's just like singing. Singing is a part of worship. Singing helps us reflect on when we sing love songs to God, that you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It reminds us of who we are. And so it's good when we sing together. When we study God's Word together, it's good, because we're putting His priorities ahead of our own. We're listening to Him and getting our thinking aligned with His. It's an act of worship. Well, can you imagine? And Paul says, don't give under compulsion or reluctantly. We don't want people to do that at all. I mean, you give to God, let it be a joyful thing. I mean, can you imagine singing under compulsion? You're a good, good father. To who you are, to who you are. Let's get this done. Amen. You go, well, that isn't very motivating. I mean, singing a song under compulsion wouldn't be worship at all. We hope that you'll look at giving the same way, and not just inside the church, that giving, when you see people who have a need, you'll meet that need. That brings us to the next point. That's when we thrive. We thrive when we put God first, and we thrive when we give to people in need. Teach those who are rich in this world. Paul, again, 1 Timothy 6, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up treasure, their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Jesus said, you want to experience true life? Well, first of all, make sure you put God first. But secondly, meet people's needs. Uh, many of you know that we have extensions now in Wetumpka and Pike Road and Side, or Whitewater Camp. We also have a number of small groups that are meeting in Auburn, and they'll soon be organizing into worship services as well. But I want you to hear from Steve Boston. He's developing that extension in Auburn, and he has a wonderful story of how God spoke to some of the people in his connect groups about meeting a need through giving. Uh, would you watch the video, please?
1: I'm Steve Boston, and I'm the site pastor with Centerpoint Fellowship over in Auburn. And I just wanted to tell you all a story um, about incredible blessing from the Lord uh, that one of our uh, Connect Group members Uh, recently uh, realized, and this is Mimi, and she is a huge part of our ministry over here in Auburn. She's been here since the beginning, Uh, was in one of our first connect groups in Auburn that we started, and recently, uh, through a lot of prayer and just making a need known, uh, Mimi was blessed by the Lord with a vehicle, and I just wanted her to share
3: her story with everybody. I'm a single parent. I have two kids. I have an 8-year-old and a 10-year-old. It been days where I walked to and from work for like two miles going and coming. And I prayed about me getting a car, and I asked our connect group to pray for me about getting a car.
1: So after we heard the need from Mimi um, at our Tuesday night connect group, we have a group that meets on Monday night, and we have a couple there, Alex and Ashley Layson. And so we shared the need, and we just said, hey, we've got a, got a, a member in another group that has a need of a vehicle. And I said, Would y'all just be in prayer about that? And and I think it was a week later, Ashley called me on the phone and said, Steve Alex and I have been praying about it. We're moving to Philadelphia and we'd like to donate our car uh, to Mimi. And I, I got we were just floored. I was just blown away.
3: When Mrs. Steve called and told me about the car, I was I was happy I was really happy. But once I got a chance to really see the car, I was excited. I don't have to walk no more. The kids were excited, my sister was even happy for me, so I'm just happy and I am blessed that somebody blessed me with a car.
1: After God blessed Mimi with the car, the very next Tuesday night, she received it on a Tuesday night, and then a week later, just like Ashley, a week later, uh, Mimi walks in, and before uh, before we even have our connect group, she pulls Kim and I to the side, and she says, I need to talk to y'all. And she said, um, you know, I've just been God blessed me with that vehicle and I'm just he's just giving me an idea that I want to talk to our group about about being generous to other people because of the generosity that God has shown me.
3: My idea was this blessing jar. I got blessed with the car, so I wanna be able to bless somebody else. Blessing jar is to meet somebody else's need. File toothmaker I came up with the blessing jar for whoever called me and they wanna drop any money in here that they could. And I just want them to know that they might be blessing somebody else.
1: I think the most amazing takeaway out of this story of generosity is the fact that Ashley was led by the Lord to donate a vehicle and Mimi in turn is led by the Lord to start the blessing jar and just to continue this generosity. And I just think that's the one thing in all of this. It's just amazing to see God work through each person and the story continues.
0: You can applaud that if you want to. Yeah. Look, I want to applaud stories of somebody seeing a need and meeting a hotel room for somebody who's escaping a hurricane saying, can I just be a blessing? I want to applaud a story of a young couple. And by the way, that was a young couple for them. Giving a car was a big sacrifice. But they did it because they saw a need. I want to applaud those things. And I want to go to the next point on your outline, point three. We thrive and we give it what we can. They had a used car. It was something they could do. Some other people said, well, I don't know what all we could do for these people with a hurricane. We could pay for a couple of nights stay. We gave what we can. Paul again, 2 Corinthians 8. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Please underline that. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. This isn't a competition. This is giving... Freely, as the Lord has given to you. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty, and you can help those who are in need. Later, they'll have plenty and can share with you when you need it. And this is the way Paul looked at it. Life has ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And if we've been blessed, share it. Later, we'll be in need, and others who are blessed then can share with us. Mark 12. Jesus was the one who taught most clearly about this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple one day and watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She gave what she could. And Jesus said, she gets it. She will be blessed. She will thrive. She will grow vigorously. She's storing up rewards in heaven. Oh, if we could get God's perspective on this. Hmm. And that's point F, the last point. We thrive when we give thankfully. We thrive when we give to God first. We meet the needs of others. But we need to do it cheerfully, trusting God, giving what we can, and doing it thankfully. Oh, oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Please underline, we give you only what you first gave us. Would you say that with me out loud, please? We give you only what you first gave us. I mean, this is the right perspective. I've shared with many people, one of the things we did, we wanted to teach our kids generosity, well, I would give them money to go out shopping at Christmas, to buy Christmas gifts. And one of the gifts that they were shopping for was mine. And somebody, even when I shared this one, said, why don't you just cut out the middleman and keep the money? I mean, you're not any to the good if they buy you a gift with your own money. And I go, this was not about efficiency. This is about generosity. I mean, I didn't think I was to the good when they gave me whatever it was. The reason I was doing it is I wanted them to learn how important it was to go and give a gift to someone else instead of spending the money on yourself. Do you know that our Heavenly Father thinks the same way about all that he gives us? I mean, think if my kids would have said, I'd give them money to go shopping, they go, thanks, Dad, no gift for you this year, I'm keeping it. There would be wailing and gnashing of teeth, okay, at our house, all right? That's not the way it works, and our Heavenly Father does the same thing with us. He gives us so much, and he asks us, hey, if you see a need, do something about the need. Hey, if you believe that it's important to tell the world about Jesus, Invest in the work of the church. Why would you give scraps to that? Why would that not be part of the first fruits? But this is all about perspective. Whose money is it anyway? Deuteronomy 8. Moses, right before the children of Israel, going in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, says when you get in that land, God is going to bless you just like he promised but he said, I want to warn you about something. He said, when you have eaten your fill in this land, in this promised land, be careful not to forget the Lord. You may say to yourself, it's my power and the strength of my hands that has produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Well, John, it's my money. I produced all the wealth. Really? Who kept your heart beating? Who kept your lungs breathing? Who was the one who answered that prayer your freshman year of college when you had no idea how to pass that test? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Who's the one who helped you get that job? Remember we prayed for that? Mm. I'm the one who's given you the ability. Why would you get stingy on me? If you see someone who has a need and you have the means to help them, help them. If you really believe that people need a personal relationship with Jesus, Why wouldn't you support the work of the church? Why would that get scraps? Have you forgotten me? Again, this is why we make offering a part of worship. And today, we turned everything around and we put the offering at the end so we could think about it. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. We'll have an offering prayer. I want you to know that inside your bulletin, we also prepared another little handout. I'm dropping everything here. It's entitled Six Ways to Give to Center Point. We've tried to make giving as easy as we can. So people can give online or you can give in person or things. You can text to give. There's even instructions on how to do that. But the idea behind giving is not, we don't want to make it hard, but whether we make it easy, I mean, isn't the, the question. The question is, am I going to give with the right attitude? We've made it as easy as we can. All these are safe and secure. If you have questions, you can always ask us about this. But the big thing is we want you to give joyfully. Trusting in God to provide, convinced this is what God wants you to do. So I'm going to pray, and then after our prayer at our other locations, you guys can instruct them on how to collect the offering like you normally do. I'll have a few instructions for us here. But I want to have an offering prayer, and then as our worship team comes and leads us, um, we'll just collect this morning's offering. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I always want us to think of um, collecting an offering as an act of worship, because it is. It's putting you first. And God, I pray that we will put you first in our lives. We won't give you leftovers or scraps. Father, I thank you that we can join together in the work of telling people about Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we also have the opportunity outside the church to meet needs all the time. No offering basket needed. And Lord, I just pray that you'd open our eyes. You'd open the eyes of our hearts. I thank you for... Uh people in Auburn who saw a need of somebody who needed a car, and you put it on somebody's heart, you stirred it in their heart, and they gave it willingly. I thank you, Lord, there are people that met the need of some people escaping a hurricane and covered a couple of nights of their stay here at the hotel. And, Father, I just want to be like that. I want stories in my life where I've seen you do amazing things with just whatever I could give, even if it isn't very much. I thank you for the widow who gave her two small coins. And I thank you that Jesus saw it and pointed out that she gave what she could. And so, Lord, help us to give joyfully, generously, and trusting in you to provide. I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus.